it's Fern here, popping in quickly before the show because I really want to hear from you. I'm forever grateful to you every single time you press play on an episode of Happy Place. And this show really is for you. So in the interest of doing more stuff that you love and less of the stuff you're not bothered by, I would love it if you took a couple of minutes to fill out a little survey for me. The link will be in the show notes. Your input on the content and the format and the guests and all those types of things is so important to help me and the Happy Place team shape the future of Happy Place. So just click on the link in the show notes to share all your thoughts and musings. I appreciate you loads. Hello and welcome to Happy Place with me, Fern Cotton. This is the podcast that explores the hidden depths we all have, but don't always let others see. Today, I'm chatting to BAFTA-winning actress, the phenomenal Saran Jones. I'm trying to control stuff. I'm trying to control the inevitable because I haven't yet grieved for my mother and I haven't given myself any time. I had a really big breakdown and I was off with medication and I took it. And I didn't want to, kicking and screaming I took it, but I was so far gone by that point. And we could see that all these things that I was trying to grasp onto to keep my life well and sorted, they weren't working anymore. Saran has made a new TV show called I Am Victoria. Oh my God, this bit of TV, it knocked me for six. It's spectacular and Saran is just, well, she's Saran at her best. It's just this incredible. This new TV show is is a powerful meditation on the anxieties that people we might deem successful or happy are struggling with. It looks particularly at those pressures we can't necessarily see from the outside. The dialogue is actually entirely improvised, which makes it even more special, because the point is that the story holds a deep personal resonance for Saran. As you'll find out in just a moment, making the episode was as much about her exploring her own life as well as that of the character Victoria. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right then, are you ready for it? Here's the brilliant Saran. Saran? Hi. How are you? Oh, do you know what? I've just, I've been waiting to do this for so long, but never had the balls to do it. And so now it feels like, oh, I'm finally, I finally got there. So I'm thrilled. Thank you for everything you do. Cause you're just, you've just been with me through all of my dark times. So yeah, big thank you to you. Oh my God. I feel like crying already. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm particularly grateful and you know, that's exactly why I love doing this and I like creating this space so that 
you know, whoever it is that comes on the podcast can just chat and also be liberated. I think there comes a time where you feel like you want to just say it as it is, or you want to just be you on the, you know, the sort of platform that you're on with the with the public eye gazing at you. It's it maybe is scary, but also seriously liberating. And you know, of course, this isn't necessarily the first time that you will have talked about personal things but also expressed a really deep and intimate part of yourself because I know that that is interwoven into everything that you do with your acting work and every character that you play you're you're drawing on you know things that you've experienced and things that you understand about life and no more so than the beautiful bit of television that I've just been lucky enough to have a preview of I Am Victoria which is an extraordinary piece of work and deeply moving and unbelievably raw and nuanced and detailed and it completely took my breath away and at times I was like very close to home which was kind of like (laughs) oh shit I need to sort myself out and I know that um that with the the writer and director Dominic Savage you you collaborated to to bring Victoria to life and also improvised a lot of the dialogue so what was it that you wanted to explore within yourself or express with with this particular piece of work well, firstly, I think just to say why it's taken me so long to to come and, and chat to you is because I do have that outlet, like, you know, in my work and through other people's scripts or through I Am Victoria, I'm able to put all my feelings and, and channel them, but it's not me. So there's always that kind of like gap between reality and, and entertainment. And also, as you know, and as I've heard you talk about on here, the fear of anything I say being taken as a headline and, you know, being blown out of proportion. I think people are savvy enough now to know that, you know, they can go and listen to a full conversation on a podcast. But that's that's why I've, I've kind of held back before. But making I'm Victoria was so liberating that I felt like I may as well talk about how it came about because I think it might help people. And it's a love letter to mental health. It's a love letter to those uptight mums at the school gates to the mums that are harassed at the school gates to the people down the gym that go to the gym too much that we may judge it's a love letter to mental health to say I see you and it doesn't have to be a big trauma I see you day to day I see how modern life affects a middle-aged woman affects anybody how social media how 50 looks when it's JLo you know it it was all those things that I needed to kind of get out and Dominic helped me put it into one character but originally when I met Dominic my story was going to be about when I lost my mum which is stuff I've talked about before and about having a baby and then losing my mum shortly after but the more I thought about it the more that wasn't going to be it was it was going to be too personal to me and I didn't know how that would translate and how it would help other people but this, how, how I am Victoria has come about, and I'm glad you say you recognise yourself in moments. This is about a woman who's trying to control what's happening to her and using all the tools that we hear, using podcasts and exercise and sleep sprays and singing bells on the, you know, on the, um, not singing bells, singing bowls, singing bells or bowls, whatever, <laughs> whatever it works for you. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, exactly. Um yoga and massage and because I think a conversation needs to happen around what's good for you and what you're trying to control do you know what I mean 
I do know what you mean because also there's a there's a huge problem with how not only mental health often talked about but the solutions around just feeling any sort of equilibrium in life because we are prescribed all of these things that have been somewhat commercialized commodified like doing all the things you've just listed which can be beneficial in ways to well-being but they're not necessarily going to be the game changer and the game changer is doing the inside work which is harder than all of those things listed more boring than all those things listed yep. take way yep. more time than all those things listed so i really recognize you know I, I i think i fall into both camps because i'm more than willing to do the inside work and i've committed to it every day and i don't succeed at it every day but it's it's my life now but i still try and I guess reduce anxieties or manipulate how I'm reacting to the world by like in with Victoria having the cold shower and going oh my god but why don't I feel better after having the cold shower or whatever it is and those things won't fix us they might make us feel a bit better but we've got to do the inside work and I think the element of control that you dissected in I am Victoria was fascinating and they're the bits that I really grabbed hold of because they resonated on such a level because when I feel out of control mentally or I'm not reacting well to what's going on around me, I micromanage and I'm doing what Victoria did. I'm wiping after I've had the coffee and it's just, and I realised, God, I actually still need much more help with that element of life, with being able to let go and just not worry about the chaos because it's, it's uncontrollable. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, that, that bit where she's wiping stuff, you can feel how rigid she is because she, she's clinging on to the, the tiniest of things. And it's really heartbreaking because what she needs to do is go away and meditate and feel herself. I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day about booking in time for yourself. And if you are someone like Victoria, you have to plan those moments where you you have clarity, you hear yourself you breathe. I mean, God, the amount of times I've been out of control in the way that she is. I mean, thank God I've I've had a lot of therapy. I've been on medication, off medication. I've been to a dark time. And now, like you, I'm, I can recognize when I'm spiraling out of control. I've also heard you say that everything gets too loud. So one thing can spark me. And then suddenly my relationship gets too loud with my husband. The dogs have rolled in some shit somewhere. It's the end of the fucking world, you know. And if I just take myself off, I can understand that that's fine. And and also the love letter I'm trying to get across is that some people might hear this and go, "So what's wrong with you? It, I, I don't quite, I don't quite understand." So so what? See, what do you mean it gets loud when the dog rolls in shit? And it, Dominic came up with this brilliant way of because we often say that when you're dealing with mental health and, and you can't see it like you can see a broken leg or a, a cut or a bruise. And Dominic said, we need to come up with a way of seeing Victoria's unrest. So when she's getting ready and she's putting on her face or when she's looking in the mirror, when she's talking to herself, when she's preempting what someone's going to say to her at the supermarket. So she's got her parlor talk ready. Those are the moments that I think Dominic has shone in trying to get across what it is that's going on in here so that an audience can go, oh, I see. So it's so it's just all going on. So you can't actually hear and see and taste life in the way that you should be doing. And I, I thought that was beautiful because that was him that, you know, I, I went to him with the story, but he had to visualize it. And I, 
I think it's really important as we move on in our conversations of mental health for people to understand what we mean. Yeah. Aren't we just all at full capacity as well? Like, I think a lot of people will totally get it and go, oh, I know that feeling where it's just we're trying to do so much. And and the notion of perfectionism, which has probably always been true to people throughout history, has never been more prevalent en masse. And that is because we are presented with a notion of what success and happiness looks like. And what you've done is gone into the subterranean levels of that to go, oh, it looks like that, but look what's happening. It's, you know, the classic swan thing of being all, I look lovely on top, but underwater going absolutely bananas. And I think so many of us feel like that because, you know, it's not natural to live in the way that we're living. And it's so recent. Like, I, I love thinking about how recent all of this is and that, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, people would have looked at us going, what are you doing? Like, why are you (laughs) running around and doing, like, even my nan, who's, you know, bless her long, well, both my nans long gone now, but I can imagine them going, why are you doing so many things in a day? I don't understand, but we've normalised it. And I don't think any of us are truly coping with it, perhaps on varying levels, but you know, that lovely, well, it's not lovely for Victoria at all, but there's this very poignant moment where she drops the plate of canopies and just everything Mm. goes to shit at that point. And I've had that Mm. moment so many times where I remember once I was rushing around and I didn't want to go to this dinner I had to go to and and I was stressed and I didn't feel I looked very nice and I smashed my head on the car bonnet and then I just sat on the drive and cried and cried and just said, I'm not going, I'm not going. I didn't want to bloody go anyway. But you had to get yourself to that place to not go. Yeah. And it's crazy. Oh my God, how many times? (laughs) How many times? and that thing of, so, I mean, thank God I, I'm less Victoria now, but I think I used to be very much like, well, I can't go because I haven't got anything to wear I don't, uh, with a wardrobe full of things to wear. I'm going to sweat. I'm going um, to I'm gonna say something idiotic. I'm going to do the weird posh queen voice that I do sometimes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I went to this event once. It's so embarrassing. I can't even tell you which one, so people can't look it up, but... <laughs> Someone asked me to give them an award. And I was like, oh, okay. And this person was quite, you know, I thought, oh, that's quite spunky. Great. I'll go and do that. At the moment, I got the invitation, but that was the best bit. And I should have left it there, hung the invitation up and not gone. Anyway, I ended up going. I looked very odd because I was in a panic. Everyone I met, and there was some really great people there too, that I would have just loved to have had a normal conversation with. I stared at like I wanted to kill them because of I was so frightened of being there. The sweat started to happen. And then the voice came out. And I was like, oh, my God, stop doing that. But I was talking like this to people. Oh, my God. And it, it must have been this everything screaming inside, yeah. run away, run away. Yeah. Or is it what I wanted them to see came out like that because it wasn't obviously authentic. So my body was having such a fucking laugh at me and saying, all right, well, I'm going to make it sound like this then because you need to get home and get in your pyjamas. Yeah, your authentic self's in, in the bath. In the bath, having the best yeah. time. Copy loving it. Uh, yeah. yeah, loving life. And there's me walking around talking like the Queen. Uh, it, that was actually a breakthrough moment for me because I thought, okay, so you don't like going to these places because you're not yourself. You're never relaxed. You only like being at home. You like being at work when it's when it's good work. You love being with your boy. 
and you don't like wearing makeup you like going to bed at nine and that's really all you like doing so so stop doing these other yeah. things yeah you're speaking my language entirely like and I've had to really I think actually the pandemic got me to that place of going, oh, I really don't have to do that stuff anymore because I haven't done it for a year and a half and I'm way, way more relaxed and comfortable than when I was sort of pushing myself to do it. I've just thought of something. I want to go back to when you were talking about Victoria's looking in the mirror, okay, and either it's the moment where she's obsessively brushing her hair and she's practising her patter or it's when she's scribbling lipstick on the wall because she's just, everything's falling apart. And it's such an interesting point because we all look in the mirror however many times a day but we so read and I'm reading a book at the moment that's made me think of this which is genius and um it's by Mel Robbins and it's it's coming out soon and she's coming on the podcast hopefully hopefully I can't give away too many spoilers of her book but it's so rare that we look in the mirror and we have compassion for that person reflecting back at us we're constantly going you're not quite perfect enough so i've got to brush this hem i've got to get this makeup on so i'm a, i'm a more enhanced version of myself or oh my god i hate what i'm seeing in the mirror it's real anger vitriol or self berating we rarely look in the mirror and go oh my god it's good you know you're doing all right you're doing all right yeah hello we don't do it no i know I know. And and I've been there so many times. I mean, it's enhanced because when you're in the public eye, it's hard, I think. And it's when I'm with my family, I'm really good at it. You know, I think I'm much better at going, fuck it. I'm just in a playground and I'm loudly playing pirates and I don't care what you think of me. I've got a five-year-old who wants his mum because I've been away working for, you know, two weeks and then home for a weekend for nearly nine months because the pandemic shoved all my jobs together. I don't care. So it's trying to get that I don't care into just when I'm out or when I am when I do go to do's because maybe our programme's been honoured with a nomination of something, you know, and I, and I, I do like going to those events because I feel proud to be part of something, especially when there's so much content and something pokes through. You, you're like, oh, my God, wow. Okay, I'm speaking to someone and I'm doing my job that the universe has sent me to do and I feel great about that but yeah it's it's finding the 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 level of how to be yourself and I, and I think when I was in Corrie and I've spoken about this before and it did get taken out of content so just to clear something up is I was 21 just and when I joined as the uh, a knicker stitcher in the uh, Mike Baldwin's factory I was really uh, you know I was I was a young 21 I hadn't lived away from home and i was taken from being a barmaid to suddenly being in Coronation Street. You know, all my family were like, oh my God, she's in Coronation Street. And then I was taken to Barbados on a bikini shoot. And then I was taken to Loaded and Maxim and all those things. And I think the perfection thing in my head, even at 43 now, stems from that. Because I never asked to do that. Um, I did it. I did it willingly. I did it because I thought it was fun. But my body was quite curvaceous and it wasn't toned. And it was it was a real it was a real girl's body. And somehow not caring and putting that bikini on and being in loaded and whatever throughout the course of getting older and then the public eye being stronger and social media coming in. And I think this is where I'm talking to middle aged women, I think. The, the body image thing has got skewed up and the perfection and the body image thing is somehow from that 21 year old girl to me being 43, that doesn't help 
with going to do's and being out on the street and people looking at me. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. God, I've, <laughs> I've so been there. I mean, I've had pictures taken of me coming out the sea just after I've breastfed a baby and I've got these big milky tits and stomach hanging out and whatever. And, you know, no matter how comfortable you might feel in that moment or how body positive you are, no one wants to be picked apart or have circles drawn around body parts. And no. it's horrible. And, you know, it extends now into everybody's lives because of social media, whether in the public eye or not. If you're putting yourself out there, people can make make commentary of it. And it's it's really toxic. And there are some great things about social media, but the normalisation of just this constant dialogue around female bodies is is terrifying. It's terrifying. And yeah. I think it does play in, like, if you're a perfectionist, being out and feeling that people are looking at you, you know, I, I hate that. I, that's one of the reasons, if I'm really honest, I don't like going out. It's yeah, just, me too. I don't want people looking at me, please. I like hiding behind my microphone here. Like, I don't want that. And, um... And I think it's really brilliant to be honest about that, especially when it's, you know, many people might look at someone like yourself, Saran, and go, oh, look, she's at the BAFTAs and she's winning an award. She looks amazing. And, and, you know, as you're talking about this now, and also you've depicted this in I'm Victoria, there's a whole other level to that. It's not this sort of amazing world that everything is, it's all perfect and going swimmingly. It's just... There's so much more going on. There's so much more going on. And I think it's really important to break it down. In um in I Am Victoria, there's this there's this sort of omnipresent tension. And it's because you know that Victoria refuses to stop. She knows something's not right, you know, but she's just she's ignoring it and she's using distraction techniques and she's just she keeps going, she keeps going, she won't give up, she won't give up. And I think again, something highly relatable to all of us. I, I still do it all the time now like I know I'm fucking tired or I've really pushed myself too far or whatever but I don't stop I don't let myself stop I continue to push and push and push myself until I do break always there'll always be a moment of breaking and I wonder you know was that drawn specifically from life events because I know you've talked about this before you know you had a tough time in 2018 when you had done back-to-back work on some really hard-hitting TV and theatre all of you know, quite a dark nature and you're putting yourself in these situations where your characters are going through horrendous things. And from the outside, you know, I don't know firsthand, but it looks like it, it took its toll at that point. So my mum had been sick for many years. So she had an aneurysm and then she slowly got worse and she developed, she developed dementia and Parkinson's and she was in her home. And in 2016, I had my son the end of February and by the end of 2016 I lost my mom and I have a picture of the two of them and if there was ever a new life and end of life picture it would be this because and it's bittersweet because I I know they met but I took him into the nursing home and put him on her bed and she's she's tiny and um she was nearing the end of her life I didn't know that then but and he's kicking around and she wasn't able to communicate with us at that time, but I've, I've got it. And I will hold on to that picture forever. And sometimes I just love it. Sometimes it makes me cry as it should, you know, it brings many things. And what I did was I, I went straight into work because I thought, well, I'll take a job because I want to show that I'm back in the game, which is a whole other conversation of when, you know, when mom's, especially actresses feel like they should 
say, oh, no, I can do it all. It's, you know, I'm, I'm back. D- don't write me off. I, I want to keep my cachet where it is. So I took on a theatre job. Now, God knows why I chose Frozen. I, can't, I don't even know to this day why I would choose a subject that was about a paedophile and the mother of the child that had died at the hands of this, this paedophile was giving him redemption. It's a 300. It was really difficult. And I had a very public breakdown on stage in front of the audience. And there was a build up to it that I didn't recognize. And instead of at that point, you would think I would stop. I thought, it's okay. I've got this brilliant opportunity, Gentleman Jack. I'm going to do it because I think it will help me. And you know what Fernick did to a certain point? Because Anne Lister is such a beautiful character to portray. And God, thank you to everyone that's just fallen in love with the show and the fans and, and the fact that we were showing this beautiful love story about two lesbians on BBC and it ended beautifully. And it was all, it was everything that was just wonderful and needed at that time. For me, what was going on was I was filling my day up. So I had, I was out of the house for 14 hours. My family were with me in Yorkshire. When I was dressed as Anne Lister, I was learning lines or I was on set. And then I'd come home, put the baby to bed. He was two and a half then. And then it'd all start again. And then on Saturday I had therapy. I would play with my son. Then on Sunday, we'd have the family planned family breakfast. This is all kind of, there are bits from Victoria here and there. And then I would have to learn lines or we'd go to a soft play and I'd learn lines and play. So I was coping. I was having massages. I was doing yoga. I was spraying my pillow sprays. I was listening to the singing bells or bowls. So this is where I'm, what I'm talking about is that's unhealthy because I'm trying to control stuff. I'm trying to control the inevitable because I haven't yet grieved for my mother and I, I haven't had, I haven't given myself any time. So after the first gentleman, Jack, I, I had a really big breakdown and I was offered medication and I took it and I didn't want to kicking and screaming. I took it, but I was so far gone by that point because I'd, I'd had the death of my mother and then I'd gone on to do two huge shows and my husband did not know how to help me. And we could see that all these things that I was trying to grasp onto to keep my life well and sorted, they weren't working anymore. They work now. I just want to clarify what I mean about, because I love yoga and I love podcasts and meditation. I I need them and I love them, but there's a way that they work for me now. And then I went off medication after about a year and I felt really good. And then the pandemic hit. And then my dad got sick. And the first um, few days of Gentleman Jack, number two, good old Gentleman Jack, (laughs) things always happen when I do that show. Um, I I got a call from my dad and he was grey and he couldn't breathe. And he said that he'd done a COVID test and it was positive. So my work, Gentleman Jack sent him a medic and the medic said he needed to go to hospital. And then he was there for three months in ICU. And he, we kept getting a call to say this might be the end of his life. Uh, so, so you might have to come in in the full PPE and say goodbye to him. And I was trying to do, so I'm still filming at this point and I'm away from home now because my family couldn't be with me. 
And oh my God, Fern, I can't even, I'm still processing, I haven't even finished filming Gentleman Jack, that's how new it is for me. Um, I was singing to him at weekends on the phone because the, the nurses, the brilliant nurses were holding the phone up to him. And my, my brother was talking to him and they'd just leave the phone on the side for us. And he didn't, he didn't make it. And so eventually I did get to say goodbye, but in the Soko kind of suits and the, and the full PPE. And, and then I got COVID myself at Christmas. And, um, and at that point I felt like I wasn't coping again. So I had to go on medication again. And I think it's important for me to say with you, and I've never said this before, that I'm doing great and I'm still filming my job. And I professionally, I've always been really strong and on point, but I'm on medication. And at some point I'll aim to get off that. But I think there's a huge taboo around it. And I, and I wasn't going to say it, but I think I, I felt like I decided last night I should because... It's, it's important, I think. It's so important, and I'm really, um, I'm really grateful personally that you you want to go there with that. And I'm and I'm so sorry that you just had to go through so much in the last few years. And um, it's no surprise that you feel that sense of overwhelm and that you haven't been able to cope because it's that's just so much to process. You know, alongside us, just all collectively going through so much madness, and for you you know, having woven into that very personal loss, very in quick succession, it's it's remarkable. And, I'm, and I'm, I think a lot of people will be very grateful that you're you're willing to go there and talk about it. And, and there is such stigma around medication, which just shouldn't be the case, because as we all know, mental health is such a bespoke thing. You know, even depression will look completely different from one person to the next. And, you know, I, I was on medication um, probably nine years ago now and um and it, and if I ever felt I was to go that low again it would certainly be an option for me because it saw me through mm. the darkest of times and and often I think there's a real um there's a real importance to allowing yourself to hit rock bottom because all of that treading water constantly I think probably leads to a much bigger crash down the line so I think whether you're you've hit rock bottom once twice three times it doesn't matter I think it's it's um, really admirable when when you allow yourself or when others around you allow themselves to hit rock bottom and I've only done it once massively and it was a huge rock bottom and you know, I stopped working for a bit and I left all the jobs that I was doing, etc. And like what I what I underestimated was the new era that would follow it. And I think it's almost always a given that there has to be newness after you've hit rock bottom because you are surrendering, you're letting go, and you're you're kind of saying out loud, right, I I give up and I'll I'll trust in whatever happens next. And it, it, it's hard to trust in life. It's really hard to trust in it and think it's going to be okay without any effort or anything from me because rock, rock bottom means you don't have any energy or effort to give. Yeah. So you have to trust in there's going to be something else. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I now do all this brilliant work. I didn't know I was going to bloody do all this. I had no clue. It's all just happened by chance because I had no other option. I couldn't go back to doing what I was doing before. There's no, no way. And I, I still can't. I can't do live telly anymore. I can't do that sort of thing. I don't have the strength to do it. Why put yourself through it? Why, Why put myself uh, the, through it? Yeah. 
But, you know, and and that's why I say thank you, because from whatever happened to you has brought so many people, you know, with your festival and your books. You know, I've, I've been through your books and done the work pages. Oh, and, you God, know, that's so lovely. It, it's it's beautiful. What came from your rock bottom is has been so beautiful. And I think what came from mine, my few has has been that I just and the pandemic for many people has just been to cling on to what's small and true and real in a very changeable crazy world and and I think that for me that's my family and my friends and knowing what is going to be good for me so I, I you know it's not that I'm antisocial I love having friends around but I know how many to have now and how to have them or if I go for a meal I know what time I need to have that meal because I might not want to stay up late or it's just about learning what's good for you and your boundaries yeah yeah and enjoying that it's so important yeah it is and I think maybe you know we're of a similar age and as you get older you start to feel a bit more confident in that thinking you know what I know that's not going to work for me doing what everyone's expecting of me or what's deemed appropriate or what's deemed you know successful in this moment I'm having to go through that a bit myself at the moment and looking at what am I really capable of what can I cope with and maybe it's less than what other people think and and if other people you know don't view what I'm doing as sparkly and shiny or whatever then that's okay and I so much of it is about acceptance isn't it and um how do you feel now about having moments of retreat maybe you're not you haven't actually had that much time to do it yet because your workload has been so huge. But do you feel more comfortable moving into moments where you do totally step back? I, I personally don't. I I had that one moment of retreat because I had to, but I'm still, if I'm really, really honest, and we're being very honest today, shit scared of retreating from what I've built because I don't trust it will stick around. Right. Yeah. And I don't trust that I'm good enough. Yeah for my thing to revive on its own without me fighting to some extent to keep it all in place. And that's, that's um, again, I think, you know, historically a, a female thing that's, you know, that we, that we, that's just intrinsically there. And I think that, no, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I, I'll say that I am. I'll say that I'm you know, not going to work for six months or, you know, or I might have a year off. Why don't I do that? And then, of course, I don't. I'm on the phone to my agent saying, well, maybe I'll just do some voiceovers because that'll be okay. Because that's not really work, is it? Or maybe I'll do some development work. So I think me stepping back. So we have a production company as well. And um, we bought a couple of books and we're looking at producing our own stuff. I produce, but I produce with other people at the moment. And I'd love to just start getting my own stuff going. So I feel like... The stepping back is about doing something that I want to do and control. Because there's no point in pretending I'm not a control Virgo control freak. You know, there's no point in pretending that. So I may as well use it to my advantage, again, with my boundaries and be kind of say, OK, well, let's control this bit over here. And then we can work when we want to work or we can. And also... The luxury of stepping back, you know, if I had a normal job, nine to five, I wouldn't be able to step back in a way that I say that I feel like I need to step back. It's difficult to put it in perspective, isn't it? Because like when I work, I work so 
hard and so much and so many hours and I may be away from home and it's all encompassing and then I'll get time with my family. So that's the difficulty of being self-employed is that it's not a normal routine. So I, I think it's finding a level of just how I'm going to be more me more regularly and how I'm going to be more me in the public eye more regularly, I think, because I think that will help me find the next thing. Yeah, it's integrating the two, isn't it? I think I'm definitely in that place where I'm trying to integrate the real, real, real me into a world that feels really unme, and, you know, just seeing how that goes. And I think you're so right. So much of it is about accepting who we are. You know, we spend so much of our formative years trying to be like our peers or people that we admire in the public eye, whatever it might be. And then you get to a point where you go, God, that's exhausting. I'm just going to be me. And like you, I'm a Virgo control freak. And I... I guess where I'm at now is I'm trying to learn to harness that and use it in a healthy way. But I still know when I tip into the unhealthy side quite regularly. And again, I really saw this in I Am Victoria that with her element of control and need for control, it bordered at times on sort of self-punishment. And I recognise that in myself, like times when I feel... I I believe I don't deserve good stuff unless there's been a real fight before it or real concerted sort of effort and maybe a struggle. Otherwise, I think well, I don't deserve just having a nice bit of time off or having something lovely. I don't deserve it. And I, I want to work at that because I know plenty of people that welcome... Uh, I'm not talking about abundance in a financial sense or a glitzy sense. I mean an abundance of, like, goodness, of, of health, of love, of of freedom, liberation, and abundance of all that good stuff. And they welcome it really freely. And that, that's a beautiful thing. I'm not there yet. I still want to put myself through an element of like struggle to then go, oh, yeah, yeah, I deserve that now. And I really could see that in Victoria. Uh, you know what? I walk around our house. and You know, it's nothing, you know, amazing. It's just, a, you know, it's a, it's a nice London house. But I walk around it and I still say to my husband, aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky? And, and we are, but we've also worked really hard for it. So it's that thing of like, I mean, I, you know, I was brought up a Catholic as well. So, you know, there's a whole thing going on with my makeup. But yeah, that thing of like, aren't I lucky to, or when you get a job, God, I got that. I got that. Well, yeah, but because you're going to be good for the people you're working for as well. And you're going to, you know, elevate it in some way that they want you for is. It's about, and I don't know why I haven't got there yet with that kind of stuff. Because at 43, I, 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 here's another one, the shoulds. At 43, I feel like I should be there. Well, why? Because mental health is a, a constant thing. So we have to work on it all the time. And that's, that's the, that is the big struggle, I think, as well with Victoria's. That's why we've ended it how we've ended it, is that... There's no answer to this. And as you put it before, everyone's struggle is different. It looks, everyone's struggle looks different. There are elements that you may recognise, that, that you may watch and go, oh, is, is that me? Maybe I can talk about how I'm feeling then. But really, the, the work has to be, so she has therapy at the end. She decides to go to therapy. And the therapist says, so you've just started your journey. And that's the point. The end of Victoria is the beginning of Victoria. And there's a bigger conversation around what the government are going to do about all these people that are feeling the pressure, especially after the pandemic, because 
therapy is very expensive if you go privately. And if you go on the NHS waiting list, then it's a huge wait or you only get a certain amount of um, sessions. So, so there's a whole other thing of how, how are we all going to handle these feelings? I don't know. I worry about it all the time. It's a insurmountable problem, as you said, especially after what we've just lived through. And it scares the shit out of me. You know, even if I'm just texting my circle of friends, I can see how individually certain friends have been really affected and they don't have the time or maybe the finances or maybe they can't get on the waiting list. And and it's, it, you know, we're in desperate times in terms of mental health and us being in this sort of crisis, you know, that compounded with the ways we now use the digital world and there's good and very bad in that and social media, etc. And it's, it, it's a huge problem. And God, you know, none of us have the answers to this, but I think having conversations is at least a good foundation. It might not even be a starting point, but at least it's a foundation that, you know, we're all having a chat. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Something just sparked in my head as well there. When you were talking about, you know, you're not sure why you haven't got there yet to a place where, you know, I think a lot of, again, women feel like it. We've got to keep saying, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. And, And like you say... Many of us have been, you know, born into a family that where we are loved or we have uh, health or whatever it might be. And there are moments that are absolutely lucky. But there are moments where hard work pays off and it, none of it was given to you on a plate or, or me on a plate. There's obviously been an element of work with anyone that does something that they love. But we still feel it's bad to say, yeah, I deserve to be here. You know, I don't think any of us feel comfortable with that. But there are so many correlations between depression and low self-worth. I mean, I can see it in myself so clearly. I don't have to dig around much to look at look for that. My self-worth is shit a lot of the time. One of the only times my self-worth is intact is in these conversations because I'm not trying to prove myself. I'm not trying to do anything apart from enjoy learning and listening and giving people space. But outside of it, in my real life, being a mum, being a wife, in other areas of my career, oh my God, my self-worth is on the floor. And, you know, maybe I'd expected that when I got to this point of my life, I wouldn't be dealing with that. But I am. So that's that. And that isn't that important that, that, that exactly like we can we can have these conversations and, and I can tell you how much good you're doing. And I, and I can go and listen to a million podcasts and be like, me too, God, me too, me too. And I'll feel amazing. And then I'll walk into the house and something will happen. and I'll just be like, oh, why didn't that work? Because it's just an ongoing thing. And, I, and like you said, as a foundation, there is a community of people and, and on social media, it's great because you can follow whoever you want to follow. And there are some brilliant people with brilliant techniques and stories and things to share that you can just hold on to. And when you're feeling a bit wobbly, you can go to. And I think that's that's brilliant. And it's and it certainly helped me. But it is it's an ongoing conversation. And as yet, there is no answer to it. And I think with Victoria, we just wanted to. It is a bit of a me too. 
you know, as in like, don't worry. Representation is important to me with most of my shows. I mean, as we were talking about Gentleman Jack before, and Victoria is my version of the job that you do. You know, it's my it's my version of saying, I see you and and I'm just sending you a love through this programme. And I think for what I was talking about before, um, Together by Dennis Kelly and um, Sharon Horgan and um, James McAvoy, there was, uh, about the pandemic, there was a beautiful speech that Sharon did about um, her mum in the hospital. And it described exactly what I've just described to you. And I have never felt happier that I was represented on TV. And some people think, you know, being an actress is a bit flouncy or, you know, well, why you, you just piddle around a bit, don't you, and say a few lines. And actually, when I got my moment of seeing myself and re reflection, I, I kind of held my husband's hand and said, oh, my God, that's me. That's me. It was so important to me. And my brother called me the other day and he's having a bit of a tough time with dad going. And he said he understood what I went through with mum now because he's having his wobbles. And for the first time, he understood mental health in a way I've not heard him say before. So I think I think we're doing good by this and that's why I'm glad it's taken me to, to today to come and talk to you because because I feel like I've I'm okay with being me and opening up like this yeah I feel okay about it and also I think it's you know collectively we move into dangerous territory when certain people because of what their life looks like or because of any circumstance don't feel that they're experiences of mental health or illness because they're very different things but you know daily mental health versus having mental illness is is not valid it's really dangerous when we go oh well you can't have depression or you know I, I certainly had a little bit of that when my first book came out because it was out of the blue I'd been you know happy person on the tv for years and years since I was a kid and then all of a sudden a book about depression and people are like how can you be depressed or you know what do you know about yeah, it what's wrong with you yeah exactly yeah. and you know although I you know, appreciate and have friends who are in perhaps worse life circumstances. Oh, I've got some friends who've been through some terrible shit, um, but they would never judge me or... And also, I, I never go into too many details about my own backstory and ways because I haven't made peace with it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk about things that I've made peace with, and that is quite a lot of stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I feel like I can I can root around in that and hopefully it's it's helpful and it, it connects us. But we're in dangerous temperature when we look at, you know, someone like you, Saran, who's got this amazing career and who's so talented or whatever and say, well, how can you be on medication? How can you have to that's dangerous. We've got to we've got to create conversation where everybody's experience is valid. It doesn't matter what caused it, what you know, what the reaction looks like, what what the life looks like. Our brains are so complex and like, so for instance, the other day I was having a really major low and I felt the shittest I'd felt in so long and I had a bit of a cry and I sort of sat there just staring out the window for ages. Then I did a podcast with Catelyn Moran who just switched up my whole energy and by the end of the day I was sort of back to feeling all right again. And if you'd seen me from the outside, you wouldn't really have a clue what was going on. But my brain was firing off all these thoughts and visions of the future and things from the past. And we don't know what's going on in someone's head. We just don't have a clue. And, and I think we have to find much more compassion towards each other and ultimately ourselves for, for, to make any progress. Yeah, I think it, uh, that was a brilliant episode, by the way. What, oh, um, she. She's a brilliant amazing. conversation, yeah. Um, I, I think what 
is important is the what it looks like. And I think that was important to Dominic and the team as well. What does it look like? Because right, like, like I said, right now, I'm on holiday. I'm having a great time. Love my family. Still filming Gentleman Jack, managing to juggle all sorts of stuff. Really happy, actually. And yes, I have my up and down days. Yes, I was sweating like you wouldn't believe before I started this conversation with you. I'm on, I'm on holiday, suddenly brushed my hair for you and then realised I didn't have a hairdryer. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> yes, I went into a slight meltdown. But but really, as you say, I'm more than functioning, you know, but yet this, but I'm still talking to my doctor and I have therapy every week. And, and that's okay. That's good because I've got the help I need. So maybe if someone looks at Victoria and starts to speak out, about how they're feeling because of seeing or recognizing something in her, I'll be fucking thrilled that it's just helped a person. You know, you will, you will undoubtedly, you you will. There's, there's like, you know, like I said, there were so many moments where I reckon I, I, I remember the time when I'd been feeling super out of control, and I had two members of my team coming to the house that I really respect and. I did not feel mentally in a great place. And I tidied the kitchen to an inch of its life. I put this really nice white shirt on. And when I was making them coffee in a cafetiere, the whole thing exploded over my white <laughs> of shirt. Of course it did. Half of me wanted to like cry my eyes out and go, I'm just not coping. And the other half was like, you fucking idiot. Do you know yeah. what I mean? What are you doing? And watching I'm Victoria made me go, I am never to get to that point again. Yeah. Where I'm trying to on an outside exterior level, try and control yeah. what's going on in my head. They don't correlate. I can't no. do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. And that's why so many people will be helped. And there's there's also, we've got to focus on what you've just talked about there, which is essentially self-awareness. You're aware now of not only your boundaries, but of what's going to work. So yes, you might be feeling happy right now in this moment. We don't know what's going to happen to any of us in the next hour, let alone tomorrow. But you talking to a doctor, having therapy at the moment, being on medication works for you versus in 2018, where, as you said earlier, you didn't feel anything coming on. You perhaps on a subconscious level knew and there were things that didn't feel right, but not enough for you to take action. So What's better, sort of suffering in silence and ignoring your own inner cry or where you're at now, which is, you know, doing things that you know work. And even if you are feeling happy, still putting the effort and work in to ensure you stay there. It, yeah. it, I think it boils down a lot to knowing yourself, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and so you asking me about taking the step back. Uh, am I happy with that? Well, I do want to work. I want to do the work that I want to do, but I do need to have space for myself so I think that's what I'm I'm ultimately trying to work on and my husband would love this too if I just created more family space because I I want to go and take my son to the school gates more often I want to do that so that I'm my brain knows I'm a mom more often you know it's like I don't want to just be working away and then coming home and being a manic mum at a weekend where I'm I'm playing games that even he's like, I've had enough of that game now. Why are you still kind of dressing up and <laughs> being weird? You know, and then I'm going, what do you want to do next? Let's, let's play this game. Let's, and my husband's like, calm down. So it's finding, it's finding that. That's what I would, I'd like to have. It's, it's that balance 
again, I think. But God, no one's perfect. And God, the other day, just that really made me laugh because the other day I had brand new white sheets and threw the coffee at myself because I had my glasses on. And with the coffee hand, I went to move my glasses up and moved it up. A classic move. And just pulled all the coffee all down the white sheets. (laughs) I mean, what a dick. And then... And then ordered a rug that was five times too big for the living room area because I didn't check on things. Oh, I've done that. And it's on its way now. So, you know, that'll be a pain in the ass to send back, whatever. It's okay to be a bit of a dick and to, you yes. know, it's fine. But don't get yourself in... A, 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 the point is, don't get yourself so wound up that you can't come down from it. Be a dick, it, great. You know, be a dick. But I think a lot of this, and you can see it in I'm Victoria, is driven by fear. And I see it in myself. And it's a fear that we're not being a good enough mum. We're not being on it enough in the house. We're not being a good enough person in our career. We're not being enough. We're so scared of being sort of found out. Someone's going to tap us on the shoulder and say, you're not being a, a good enough parent or whatever it might be. There's such a fear. And with Victoria, that morphs into this sort of martyrdom and it's such a fine line isn't it between you want to help you want to be in the mix versus I'm going to put myself so at the bottom of the pile and make the house look amazing my kids are in the right outfits I've cooked the amazing volivants for my friends (laughs) I've done everything to make everybody else happy and you're somewhere so at the bottom of the pile and of course that doesn't serve anyone because you're fucking miserable. Everyone can feel it and there's a tension. And I've slipped into that so many times. And then obviously I do what Victoria does in the thing. Why haven't you put the fucking pillows on the bed or whatever it might be? You know, you lose your shit because you think you're doing everything for everyone, whereas you're not, you're just trying to control stuff. And when someone doesn't live up to your expectations, you blow your lid again. Like it's such a fine line because, but we're driven by fear. It's such a horrid, toxic fear that we're not valid we shouldn't exist in this world because we're not ticking all the bloody boxes people like victoria redoes um her males because she sounds a bit arsy so then she redoes it so she sounds nice the fear of people aren't going to like her you know my fear of um oh people are just going to think i'm annoying Uh, oh people are people if i'm strong at work people are going to think i'm a diva you know, again, things that we are blessed with um, historically, you know, actually, no, I can just put my foot down if I, if I believe it's right. Or the way that she, I mean, it's quite funny, I laugh at it now, but when she's making a nice dinner and you think, oh, she's got it together a bit. And then she starts to dictate what time everyone goes home and how much everyone's going to drink. And because the fear of if she starts to get tired, she's going to be the boring one. So it has to be her husband that kind of like sets those rules so she can look a certain way. And I think for so long, and I'm, you know, I haven't got this right yet. I still haven't. But for so long, I was just in fear of what people were going to think of me all the time. Even before I came on here, what's she going to think of me? So it's still there, but it's more low level. My mum was a very nervous person and you know we'd go in posh shops and she would walk in and she'd kind of look at the things and then she'd say no let's go because she didn't feel like she was good enough to be in the posh shops on King Street in Manchester I remember um, going shopping with her and then she also had breast cancer when she was very young my age actually and so then her self-esteem went low because she had a mastectomy and I think all that has kind of filtered into me as well of kind of like not feeling 
good enough. And obviously the place it came from with my mom was her self-esteem. But with me, mixed with being in the public eye, it's turned into that, what do you all think of me? There's no answer to that, is there, of like, how, how do we let go of, you can't just live your life of, of not worrying what anyone thinks of you. I don't, I don't believe that. And I don't think you should, really, because you've got to mind your own persona, haven't you, in a way. I think all you can do is maybe, like, I try and do this dissect, well, what does it mean if someone doesn't like me? You know, what... Right, yeah. What does that mean? Does it mean that I'm wrong? Is that my fear? Maybe my fear is being wrong. You know, I think a lot of the time I think I'm getting life wrong. So my fear is if someone says yeah. I am, they're right. And then, oh my God, my feeling was right. I'm getting life wrong. Yeah. And then it goes back to the inner work. Oh, I've got to work on that to know that nobody really has a bloody clear what they're doing in life. We're all stumbling through. None of us have a fucking clue. And, you know, and I feel the same. Every time I do a podcast, I really hope that the guest feels heard and understood and that they um, have enjoyed it and felt comforted and I almost don't want that to go because otherwise I'll probably get a bit complacent yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and I think you're right you know it's a healthy balance isn't it of not losing it so that you become so unbelievably sort of overly confident um, you don't give any thought to what anyone else is thinking but you don't let it you don't drown in it which I, I've certainly done I, I've felt so drenched in it that I can't even speak publicly and it's you know one of the reasons I struggle now to do anything outside of my own comfort zone with happy place because I don't know how to do that anymore but what you just said about right and wrong I think that's interesting that's really because because we're taught at school what's right and wrong right from an early age not so much now I don't think I think our children I think our generation you know suffer from this more but I think the right and wrong thing it, yeah, so that's so that's the answer, isn't it? Really, it's about well, your version of life isn't the same as my version of life, and my mate's version of life, who still loves going clubbing and cocktails on the beach at six because they're still up, that's their version of life, and it's fucking great. But so is mine. I love my version of life, and it involves baths and pajamas. And you know, if you want to meet me, it's got to be a breakfast or lunch date really because that's when I oh, same I'm happiest and you'll get the best same. from me you know <laughs> same you know I've never ever had a dinner party never ever <laughs> because stressful. that thing that where Victoria's like I need them to go yeah. is such a worry for me yes. I don't want someone in my house till at midnight because I'll be asleep on the fucking sofa right. I can't do it. I'm a morning person. Yeah. So like you, if you want to come to my house, I will put on the most lovely lunch and we can chat all day. Yeah. But as long as you fuck off at a certain <laughs> point where I'm ready to go to bed, we're good. And I think everyone yeah. sort of knows that of me now. And it's like, exactly. that's that. But I think you're so right. It's, it's finding your version of life. There is no right or wrong. It's your version. And I think to get, you know, it's been so interesting talking to you today. And I really hope that we either get the chance to do it again or we just keep talking regardless of whether it's on a podcast or not because I feel like we're at a very similar stage where we're figuring that one out we're starting to find a bit of comfort in our version of life and it won't you know mine won't be the same as yours vice versa like with anyone but we're at a similar period finding that comfort and and it's it's a good place to be I'll come to yours for breakfast for a really really good breakfast and bring my two annoying sausage dogs oh I'd love I would love that so much Let, let's please do that and yeah and I can't thank you enough I feel a very privileged that you trusted the space and happy place and myself to to be part of this conversation today and I've bloody loved it 
oh so have I I love you I love everything that you're doing and um yeah I've loved it thank you I feel like I want to cry now (laughs) thank you Saran Oh my God, I cannot wait for breakfast with my new best mate, Saran. Genuinely excited about that. I I could chat to Saran forever. Oh, Saran, thank you so much for your time today. It's so appreciated. I Am Victoria is part of series two of I Am, Dominic Savage's BAFTA-nominated anthology series for Channel 4. Saran's episode is available to watch back now on all four. Please watch it. it it's just sublime. You can follow Happy Place for free wherever you like to get your podcasts. That will mean you can be back here with me next week as soon as the next episode is available. And in the meantime, you can come and chat with us on Instagram at Happy Place Official. Until then, thank you so much to Saran Jones, you wonderful person. To the producer, Anushka Tate, another wonderful person at Rethink Audio. And to you, collective bunch of wonderful people. I'll see you very soon, you lot. Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,